The True Crime Society podcast contains adult themes and violence and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Secondary disclaimer here. Um, apparently, I discovered that my microphone base has springs on it and I was messing with them throughout this episode. So please excuse any of that noise. It's not too bad, but just wanted to add a disclaimer before anyone commented about it, but it won't be happening again. I put a note on the springs not to touch them, so I won't be doing that anymore. All right, enjoy the episode. Bye. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the True Crime Society podcast with Stephanie and Olivia. Um, we're recording on a Sunday today, a little different for us because I went and played trivia at the bar uh, on Thursday when we normally record because um, I just wanted to do that and I won, <laughs> so it was worth it. <laughs> I had to prove my smarts to everyone. There was actually one around I was sending you the pictures from. It was like celebrity mugshots. And I knew pretty much all of them except like two. One, I had no idea who it was. And I wrote that he was Anthony Bourdain. Angry Anthony <laughs> Bourdain. <laughs> but most of them I knew. So I'm glad I could prove myself. And there was a question um, about the story. It was like last week sometime where the woman tried to get DNA <laughs> off the body by pouring like Diet Mountain Dew on the body or something. Because apparently I was reading about that. Apparently Mountain Dew destroys, I don't know, something, some chemical. I don't have the whole story, but she had the right <laughs> idea. <laughs> yeah, there was a question about that. And, of course, I, like the people on my team were like, Stephanie's about murder. You should know the answer. And I'm like, okay, like, no pressure. <laughs> I didn't remember what soda it was exactly, so I just put soda. And that was enough. That was, that was accepted. <laughs> I was like, thank God. It would be so embarrassing <laughs> to get a true crime question wrong. But, yeah, also just – Ate a whole bunch of McDonald's, so I'm really feeling crappy about myself right now. <laughs> That's and me. I'm, I'm ahead of you. That was me last night. Now it's Monday morning. Oh, my God. I'm we're in sync. Better. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, but it's funny because one of my coworkers, he kind of lives in this area too, and we both will go to the gym like separately on our lunch breaks. So we'll be like, oh, going to the gym on my break. And then he definitely was just walking down the street when I was walking back into my apartment with like a whole bunch of McDonald's. And I scurried in before I had to be like, oh, hey, because I also looked like an absolute trash bag, like not wearing makeup and looking crazy. So <laughs> can't wait for him tomorrow to be like, oh, I saw you walking with like a whole bunch of McDonald's. Like, yep. Snapped. Nothing, nothing more out. embarrassing. Because not only did <laughs> I get like McDonald's, I also got McFlurries that I had to carry. Mm. We stopped after McDonald's. So we went to McDonald's and then we stopped after and got a tub of Ben and Jerry's. Oh my and god! I had one. I had like I actually didn't have much of that because I just felt too disgusting. But my husband ate the whole thing. <laughs> oh my god! I, my weakness is I love ice cream. Mm. That's like also why I just need to move into the middle of nowhere. So I just can't. I can't be going to McDonald's and ice cream and stuff all the time because I have no willpower. <laughs> so you know, it happens. This is not yeah. sponsored by McDonald's, but <laughs> if McDonald's <laughs> wants wants to sponsor us, I, we would be great great advocates for yeah the cause um do you have anything fun coming up this weekend no i actually have a pretty quiet weekend i've got my big i think i've spoken about it on here before having a big party in a few weeks um oh yes so no i've got a quiet weekend which i'm looking forward to just sleep (laughs) yeah yeah no not much on this is a pretty quiet week i think i'm supposed to go to the 
big Duchess County Fair um, on Saturday that I go to every year. Right now it says it's supposed to rain. I really hope it doesn't, but we're still far out, so I'm hoping it'll change. I just realized we've only got 10 days here now till spring starts, which I'm very excited about. The weather has actually been beautiful, like warm and sunny in the sun, and then it's obviously sunny in the sun, <laughs> warm in the sun, and then you know, once <clears throat> as soon as the sun goes down, it gets cool, but it's been so, so mild and nice. So we're nearly there. Nelly made it through. Yeah, it's been still hot and disgusting here and very rainy. It's like a rainforest here. It's still so crazy to me that we have, like, even though I know we obviously have the opposite seasons, but then even the season start dates are different. Like, I feel like in the world it should just all be the same. Even, like, you know, you start spring on one day, we start autumn on one day. I just don't get how it can be different everywhere. But, anyway, whatever. Yeah, I think ours changes, like, September 21st or 25th, and that's technically the start of fall, but it'll still be hot. (laughs) <laughs> ours are the same, like ours are the first of the month. So 1st of August, uh, 1st of August, September, yeah, October. Is that right? <laughs> no, no, sorry. Sorry, 1st of September. I'm like, why Why is this not adding up? 1st of September, then December. Yeah, That makes more sense. Ours is when the, like the solstices are or whatever. I mm, wonder why. Anyway, interesting. Yeah. So I've still got a ways to go for this summer from hell is over hot all the time but i feel like it's pretty hot here because then i saw there's an el nino that's coming Mm, and we've got that as well i don't know if they're like i don't know it was one's one's the rain and one's the drought so i feel like el nino might be the drought possibly for us and la nina is the rain one so we've just been in that for us they were just saying it would make the winter like warmer i feel like because we've had so much rain over the last few years and they've said now basically we're leaving that period and it's going to be hardly any rain well, last summer here, it like didn't rain at all. We were in droughts all the time. And this summer, it's rained, I think they said an average of three times a week, every fucking mm. week. <laughs> Very weird. Yeah, the world is on fire. <laughs> As usual. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you want to talk about the updates first? Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah, let's do them first. So there were, I feel like it's been a while since we've actually done any updates because there hasn't really been much happening in a lot of the cases that we've Everyone covered. always tells me there's more crime in the summer, but I swear, still. <laughs> I feel like the crimes that we've covered and that are in the process, like in, you know, the legal process are taking a while lately, but there have been two big updates this week. The first one is about the Moscow murders and that basically Brian Koberger went to court again for a hearing where they kind of, his defense team were asking for a stay in proceedings. Um, And it was like, it went on all day about, they were reviewing the DNA that had been collected in the case. But the judge did confirm that the trial will or is due to still go ahead on October 2 this year. Because I always thought, oh, I don't think it will happen then. Um, You know, they're going to keep postponing and prolonging it. But the judge has said, as far as he's concerned, it will start on October 2nd. They've said they will have up to 1,000 potential jurors summoned for the trial. Wow. Um, I can't even imagine that circus. It's it's going to be a circus. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So that's that's a good – I'm still sceptical it will happen then, but apparently it's on track for October 2nd. It seems like the judge is, like, sick of all the delay yeah, and all the bullshit, bullshit from the defense. So. Yeah. Yeah, and even like I was reading comments, like the judge is on to his tactics and like even yeah. I, I don't know, I think we spoke about his, so he did come out a few weeks ago and gave his alibi for the night of the murders and he just likes to go for a drive apparently in the middle of the night and not turn yeah. his, take his phone or turn his phone off, like just stuff like that. It's just like, come on, this is Yeah, just I think we talked about it on Patreon. So. Oh, did we? But yeah, his, his alibi was that he likes to drive um, <laughs> alone at night 
for long hours without yeah. a phone or anything. So. <laughs> and that because I just made such a big deal about this alibi, and then it came out, and you're like, oh. <laughs> well, I think that was, they cool were story. saying like that he doesn't have like a alibi that they can prove because this is Corroborate. what he does. So yeah, so of course, of course. So anyway, we hope we lay in hope that that will still happen. Yeah. Um, the other big update is that in the Jared Brightigan case, which we covered, oh God, I can't even remember, it's all blurred now, but we covered his case and basically- sometime in 2022. Yeah. He was ambushed while his daughter was in the car. He got out to move a tire that was in the middle of the road and he was shot to death. So in the episode, we did speak about his ex-wife, Shanna Gardner. Shanna's husband was arrested a little while ago in regards to the murder and Shanna has now been arrested. Yeah, everyone's been waiting for her to get Yeah, we all knew it was coming. Time. It was just a matter of time. So this all happened on Thursday last week. She was indicted by a grand jury on charges of conspiracy to commit first-degree murder, solicitation to commit first-degree murder and child abuse. I, I assume the child abuse is maybe because the child was in the car when her dad was killed. Yeah. Unless, like, they could maybe there are, you know, other extenuating circumstances. I don't know, but that's my kind of The assumption. husband was charged with child abuse too yeah and the, there's a hitman too who the hitman that they hired took a plea deal to testify against them so shana had sp- spoken to jack's news in june so just a few months ago and she said she didn't have anything to do with the murder um, which turns out to be a lie so and we're all like, oh, yeah okay yeah so the plea deal that was henry tannon he was the man who took the plea deal he still faces 15 years in prison um, even with this plea deal, but his next court date is October 9. Basically everyone knew it was a setup because it was on his way home from picking up the kids at Shana's house and a tire conveniently was at a spot in the road where it had to be moved and like you couldn't just go around it, I guess. So everyone was like, hmm, that sounds like a trap. As if you remember in the episode, Shanna came from a very wealthy family. They were, is it Stamped Up, I think was the, yeah. the company that they used to own. Yeah. And they like, her mother especially shanna's mother is a bit insufferable like she made a lot of posts about oh and they give a statement yeah so i've just got it here so i was just kind of giving a little bit of background for anyone who doesn't know so they're a very very wealthy family um after jared died they kind of didn't acknowledge his death at all they just kept going on with their you know lavish parties and you know all that type of stuff but they issued a statement that said words cannot accurately express the depth of our sadness family is our top priority we love our daughter and are focused on supporting her and our entire family as we help our grandchildren navigate this difficult and very confusing time for their sake and all involved we caution against further speculation and request privacy as the legal process runs its course runs its course so still nothing about jared in the statement um you know it's all about shanna the murderer yeah So Kristen, who was Jared's wife at the time he was murdered, she also made a statement. She said, Shanna's arrest ends one horrific chapter of our pursuit of justice for Jared and now we open a new one. This next chapter will be excruciating. We expect justice to be carried out to the fullest extent of the law. But also, like, why did Shana's family even feel like they had to give a statement? They definitely just... It looks worse that they did because I'm like, you guys really didn't need to do that. No one's like, mm, and I especially such a tone deaf statement. Like they could, you know, I get, you know, I get supporting your daughter. I get all that, but they could have also inc- been a bit more fair and included something about, you know, Jared's family or whatever. Or they could have just done it in privately and shut the fuck up about it. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, yeah. So no, that's good news. Not unexpected news, but it did take a while. So glad they got there in the end, and hopefully. They will be prosecuted. Yeah, that was one of the ones when we posted. Everyone was like, "Finally, like, mm. yes, thank God." Been I don't waiting. think anyone was shocked, but yeah, 
no, it was just like, finally, I just feel so bad for that family. I feel bad for the kids because now the two of them lost both their parents in a way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And now they've, yeah, I, I don't know who's got custody of the kids now, but I'm assuming possibly Shanna's parents. Yeah. All right, today we're going to talk about the mushroom, the poisonous mushroom, lunch, and all the chaos with that because it is just it is just ridiculous and it just gets more ridiculous every single time. Um, we spoke about this. We did a mini Patreon episode when it first happened and there wasn't a lot of information out about it yet, but now enough's come out. We're going to do a full episode and it's one that a lot of people were interested in. So we're going to go over the whole story so far. Still no conclusion yet. And, unless and I, like, I, I just want to kind of add into essentially it's not really a crime yet. It, like it's, crime related because they have said that Aaron Patterson is a person of a, you know a person of interest and they do suspect there has maybe been some criminal behavior here but at this stage no one has been charged I just want to make that clear um yeah it's being yeah. investigated and it's something that all of you guys have seemed to be invested in and like talking about so even though as of right now it's not technically a crime it's still crime adjacent and yeah well they're investigating if it is a crime so i guess that it makes it crime enough for us to talk about yeah and <laughs> yeah. we just know you guys want to hear about it so you're welcome i'm sure everyone who follows us anyways which i'm assuming is you guys since you're on our patreon has probably <laughs> seen that we've been posting about this case where three people in australia have died and a fourth one is fighting for their life in the hospital they like need a liver transplant after they allegedly ate some poisonous mushrooms so i'm sure you're like why is why is this a crime because they're trying to figure out if the person who served the mushrooms for a lunch poisoned them on purpose or if it was an accident or what the heck is going on of course the person who served the mushrooms is alive and well had no symptoms so that's another reason why it's like what <laughs> <laughs> very coincidental yeah so this happened in Leangatha, Victoria, in Australia. Um, as some background into the town, the word Leangatha is an Aboriginal word, which probably meant teeth or referred to teeth. <laughs> so that's a random just name a fun because, fact. Like where I live, they name like we have a lot of Aboriginal names for places. Like one place near me is Terrigal, which means place of little birds, which is seagulls. Like they usually actually oh. mean something. Um, so I don't, I don't know where <laughs> the teeth reference came from, but I found that interesting. That's weird. It's like a Snapple fact. Yeah. Um, so the town has a population of around 5,000 people. And Erin Patterson, who is the woman in question, she is a 48-year-old woman, and she invited her former in-laws, Don and Gail Patterson, who are both 70 years old, along with Gail's sister, Heather, who is 66, and her husband, Ian, who is 68, to a family gathering at her rural property on July 29th. So basically, her ex Husbands, parents, and ex-husbands, <laughs> aunt and uncle. I feel like it sounds really confusing, but like because there's just, so many kind siblings. of family tree branches. But yeah, basically her ex-in-laws and their sister and husband. Yeah, yeah. Two, they were all elderly. I guess that's one of the main things as well to remember. Yeah, they were all sixty-six to seventy. Yeah. 
Inside the holy walls, where Reverend Ian Patterson would usually give his sermons, his loyal parishioners and community members gather to pray for his recovery. We're deeply bereaved by what has happened. The pastor of the local Currumburra Baptist Church was one of four people who attended a lunch at Erin Patterson's home on Friday the 29th of July. Now he's fighting for his life and three others are dead. I don't think there'd be any person in this town that wouldn't be feeling grief at the moment. Ian and Heather Wilkinson, along with Heather's sister Gail Patterson and husband Don, were at daughter-in-law Erin's house when she served them mushrooms believed to be death caps. A day later, the two couples went to hospital with gastro-like symptoms. Last Friday, Gail and Heather were dead, and by Saturday, so was Don. We just want to um, let them know that we love them deeply and uh, we are praying for them constantly. Erin and her two children were present during the lunch but didn't fall ill. She shares them with Simon Patterson, Don and Gail's son. We don't pass any judgment. It's just love and um, care from here. The 48-year-old's home was raided by the homicide squad on Saturday where they seized a number of items. Detectives questioned Mrs Patterson but released her without charge. Police say she remains a suspect. Erin, how are you going? Are you okay? I'm going Erin's ex-husband is Simon Patterson, and the couple have two children together, and they split in recent years. Their relationship is said to be amicable. Erin is a stay-at-home mother, and Simon works in the property industry. The Leangatha home where this all happened was purchased in 2019. Erin and Simon used to run a local newsletter called the Borough Flyer, after Aaron took over the role as editor from Don and Gail in 2018. So those were his parents. Aaron wrote this as a post in the newsletter. When she took it over, she wrote, Thank you, Don and Gail Patterson, the Flyers' previous editors, for the enormous time and energy that they put into keeping the Borough Flyer going for the past five years. They are extraordinarily generous with their time, and I'm grateful for the support they have given to ensure a smooth changeover. Thank you to the contributors and advertisers for their patience while we have been learning the ropes. I hope we can do the Borough Flyer the justice it deserves. Does that still exist or no? I don't know, actually. I'll have a look while you're talking. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it seems to. It says the Borough Flyer is a key initiative of the Corrinborough Community Development and Action Inc. community-based magazine. It's got 478 likes on Facebook. (laughs) Cute. Last year, last post was March 20, so maybe it's, yeah, it must be like it says there's an autumn edition. They didn't do a winter edition. Maybe she was too busy. <laughs> anyway. Um, so as for the victims in the case, Gail and Don were well-known members of their community. They had both worked at the local high school, Coramborough Secondary College. Gail had worked in the office and Don was a science teacher at the school. A former colleague of the couple, Lee Clements, said they were very Christian and very lovely people. They would always say hello and acknowledge everyone. Ms. Clements said that the couple loved to travel and Don had recently visited China to further his religious studies. They also hosted a Chinese exchange student a few years ago. She described Heather and Gail as being close. Ian Wilkinson, he is the one that is fighting for his life currently. He was the pastor of the Coramborough Baptist Church while his wife Heather worked as a teacher's aide at Coramborough Secondary College. Ian also ran a carpentry business. 
pastor and a carpenter. Oh, no, they're all very busy. It just I think that's kind of like emphasizing that everyone in the community, because I guess the town is little for 5,000 people. Everyone kind of knew who they were. They were very prominent in the community. Yeah, they all seemed involved with the church. Now on July 29th, which was a Saturday, Aaron, Don, Gail, Heather, and Ian got together at Aaron's home. The following day, Sunday, July 30th, Don, Gail, Heather, and Ian all became unwell with what they believed was like a stomach flu, gastro type thing going on. And all four went to the hospital that day because their symptoms were so bad. I just like their symptoms must have been so bad because gastro or stomach flu like is bad, but you'd never usually think you'd have to go to the hospital. I just think for all four of them to know how bad it was, it must have been horrendous. Yes, even when you have food poisoning, which can be pretty horrific and awful I, you probably only go to the hospital if it's been days over like a day or so of being really sick or you start feeling like super dehydrated or so yeah they probably were really suffering um so they all remained in the hospital in critical condition and on friday august 4th gail and heather passed away in the hospital and don died the following day saturday august 5th ian as of right now is still in the hospital and has sustained such severe liver damage that he has to have a liver transplant so they have to find a donor and all that police seem to start to investigate Aaron on that day august 5th and this is when they first went to her home and seized some items the following day victoria police detective inspector for the homicide squad dean thomas confirmed that Aaron was being treated as a person of interest he said she hasn't presented with any symptoms, but we have to keep an open mind in relation to this, that it could be very innocent. But again, we just don't know at this point. He said while the homicide squad was investigating the deaths, it did not mean that they were being treated as suspicious as suspicious at this stage, just unexplained. Mr. Thomas said the children are incredibly distressed in doing the best they can following the shock deaths. A food dehydrator was found at a nearby garbage dump, and this has been taken for investigation. I wonder why they found the food dehydrator. Like, what about this was like, let's search the garbage unless they're looking for I, the mushrooms or what, what I've the food. kind of figured or kind of read between the lines is that someone saw this food dehydrator at the tip and told the police. So the police, I don't think, were just randomly searching rubbish. But like, so I've seen a photo of where they, like where it's dumped. I don't know if you guys have a similar facility there, but you have kind of like hard rubbish, like things that can maybe still be used or, um, you know, like you can take it to a specific place and dump it and people can either come and get it or they will eventually kind of scrap it. So I feel like it was maybe in a facility like that. It was taken there um, and someone saw it and thought it was kind of a weird thing to be dumping. And then eventually when all this come out, they told the police and the police went and got it. Mm. I have read that it was dumped to the day after the lunch. So really kind of the day that they all got sick. Um, they, and the police have asked for CCTV of the tip, the dump, um, so they can kind of see what cars went in and out as well. Yeah, because that's suspicious. Like why throw it out? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So police went back to Erin's house on August the 6th to question her and that you could hear loud wailing coming from the house that day. So Erin spoke to the media the following day. There's a lot of clips online. You can have a look and we'll put one in here after, which, but that day was August 7th. She seemed very emotional. I was talking to a friend. It's hard to, it's kind of hard to understand her. So like I'll put in the <laughs> clips, but it's a lot of just like. Bleh. I was talking to a friend about it and she goes, I don't really think that it seems genuine, which I also like, I have a lot of questions. It seems very, it's a very unusual way to react. Um, Performative. Yeah. Yeah. So she says, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do anything. And she was crying. She said, I love them and I'm devastated that they're gone. And then she mistakenly confused Don with Ian 
and said that she hoped Don pulled through. So that's a bit weird because Don was her father-in-law and he is passed. Um, but anyway, so she mixed that up. She said that all of the four guests were wonderful people and they'd always been very kind to her. She said, Gail was like the mum I didn't have because my mum passed away four years ago, which, <laughs> so she's still 48. So she had a mum for 44 years, <laughs> but it's mm. like just, just these weird kind of statements. She said, Gail had never been anything but good and kind to me. Ian and Heather were some of the best people I'd ever met. They never did anything wrong. What's happened is devastating and I'm grieving too and you guys don't have any respect for that. So then like all the media were around her house. She was like, you know, which I also don't agree with. She hasn't, as we said, been charged with anything, but they were kind of stopping her getting into the house. She said, can I just get to my door? Stop standing in front of me. You don't have any permission to be on my private property or harass me. This kind of behavior will send someone off a bridge. And then a reporter asked her how she was going and she said, I'm going shit house. Thanks for asking. You guys aren't helping. It's a tragedy what's happened. Can you tell us about the meal that you cooked? I'm so devastated by what's happened, by the loss of Don and Don is still in hospital, the loss of Ian and Heather and Gail. They were some of the best people that I've ever met. Gail was like... Take your time. Gail was the mum that I didn't have because my mum passed away four years ago and Gail's never been anything but good and kind to me. And Ian and Heather were some of the best people I've ever met. They never did anything wrong to me. And I'm so devastated about what's happened. Can you tell and us? And the loss to the community mm. and to the families and to my own children who've lost their grandmother. Can, t- can you tell us a bit more about the lunch? What I can tell you is that I just can't fathom what has happened. I just can't fathom what has happened. That Ian and Heather have lost their lives and Gail has lost her life and Donna's still in hospital and I pray, I pray that he pulls through because my children love him. And you must be pretty shaken up by this as well. I'm devastated. I love them. And I can't believe that this has happened and I'm so sorry that they have lost their lives. How are you but I just can't believe it. I just can't believe it. Can you tell us where the mushrooms came from? <laughs> Were they touching the property area? I'm just asking to leave me alone please. Police say you're a suspect. Do you have anything to say about yes, that? Yes, I say I didn't do anything. I love them. And I'm devastated that they're gone. And I hope with every fibre of my being that Don pulls through. That's where what I have to say. Where did the mushrooms come from? Were they picked by you or where did they come from, Erin? Can you tell us? What meal did you cook them? Did you eat the same meal, Erin? So soon after this, Erin was seen with a big suitcase leaving the property and she wouldn't answer any more questions. The reporters were kind of shouting at her, asking her where she got the mushrooms or what she made for lunch and they didn't, she wouldn't answer them. Hmm. So August 8th, 
um, Aaron's ex-partner, it came out that Aaron's ex-partner had almost died last year in 2022. He made a post on social media, so it's still out that we've got the actual post and it's on the blog. I'll just read it out because it is interesting now, especially that we know some more of the circumstances. He wrote, some of you all know that I've had some serious medical problems since late May. He wrote this in June 2022. He wrote, I collapsed at home and then I was in an induced coma for 16 days through which I had three emergency operations, mainly on my small intestine, plus an additional planned operation. My family were asked to come and say goodbye to me twice. I was not expected to live. I was in intensive care for 21 days, after which I was in the general ward for a week and now I'm at a rehab place. So then he goes in to talk about basically all the... um, side effects like he's got a big sky he has ICU acquired weakness which is common of people who are intensive care for a long time and he kind of just goes on then to talk about his rehab and to thank everyone he said it is also timely as my wife Erin and my kids they've blocked out the names are coming in to visit the Savo and I'm wrapped to be able to share the goodies with them because someone had given me a basket of stuff so it's very interesting that he collapsed at home and had intestinal issues So before we just get into the rest of what's happened, I just wanted to speak a little bit about death cap mushrooms, which is what the four are alleged to have ingested. So death cap mushrooms grow in a lot of places. I know they grow in America. They grow in a lot of places in Australia. All parts of the death cap mushroom are poisonous. Eating even a small amount can kill you. I read yesterday that half a mushroom is enough to kill an adult. Um, and apparently someone was saying that in that area, which I don't know if I have them where I live in Australia because I've never really heard of them or seen anything, but apparently in that region in Australia, there's signs everywhere saying, you know, beware of these mushrooms, um, don't touch them, don't eat them. So apparently if you're from that area, you would be very aware of that. It talks about if you think you may have eaten a death cat mushroom, seek immediate med- medical attention. Attention, Do not wait. Um, you have more chance of survival when your treatment is started earlier. And then some of the symptoms, it says they occur 6 to 24 hours or more after ingestion and include abdominal pains, nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea. Symptoms may subside for one to two days, giving the false impression of recovery. However, by that stage, the toxin will have already caused serious liver damage. Liver failure and death may occur. And apparently it can be, which I think is, you know, we have to put this in to be fair, is extremely difficult to distinguish death cat mushrooms from edible mushrooms, even for experienced collectors. <clears throat> I've seen photos of them. They just look kind of like a weird wild mushroom. Um, I looked up because I was just curious more about if she was handling them, if it would have made her sick since they're apparently so poisonous. But it says you have to ingest, ingest them. them for them to be like poisonous. Um, another fact I read, so you just, you know, remember here that three people have died on average one person in the US, which is a population 10 times the size of Australia dies each year from it. So, you know, for three people to have died once is very suspicious. I was just thinking while you were reading it, when he was in the hospital, Simon, yeah, did they just like not figure out what was wrong with him? I want, like, like, did they just accept they didn't know? or Because he didn't write that in the post or anything of like, oh, they think it was this. And because he, he didn't really say I collapsed at home, you know, due to X, Y, Z. He just said I collapsed at home and then needed all this surgery. So it didn't actually ever address what was wrong with Maybe him. Maybe just didn't want to put it online. Yeah. But. but I would be interested to know, like someone was messaging yesterday saying, I'm going to Google now how long, if they could still find if there was any traces in his body, if that's what happened to him, if there was some type of poison or what tests they ran. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what comes out. 
Yeah. Today is August 10 in Australia at the time of recording in the morning. Yesterday, August 9, we learned that Erin told police during an interview with them that she picked up the mushrooms from a local shop, but since then she's given police a no-comment interview during which she refused to say where the mushrooms were from. So this kind of confirms to me that the mushrooms did come from Erin. She told them they did. It's just a matter now of if she kind of meant to feed them to them or if it was an accident, I guess. Well, even if it was actually from a shop, it would be like grossly negligent of her at this point to not share where she got them from because what if there was other mushrooms that could kill other people so and also no one else is sick um there have been no mushroom recalls in the area you know when they do a recall and they're like you know please if you've bought this return it to the store there's nothing like that um interesting and then today we've also learned that a source who knows Erin's husband, Simon, said in that in the past she allegedly tried to poison him. This is from an article. I'll just read it direct. It says Simon Patterson believed his ex-wife, Erin Patterson, had tried to poison him through an ingested toxin from nightshade plants, which included potatoes, tomatoes, and eggplants. He told His friend told the publication Simon suspected he had been poisoned by Erin. There were times where he felt a bit off and it often coincided with the time he spent with her. I wonder if that's from when he was like, what his post was from or unless there was like another time so on friday august 11th erin gave some sort of statement via her lawyer to police like that's what her attorney said but then later on the police said that that they she didn't give that statement to them it's a little confusing i think i think that what they're kind of insinuating is she gave them this written statement like this hasn't been confirmed by the police like basically she handed them this piece of paper or but also handed it to the media (laughs) yeah yeah exactly so this information what didn't come out from the police they didn't tell the media what she said her legal team told the media that she gave this to police yes so it wasn't like she sat down with police and recalled everything that happened and this was the statement that the police got from her she made the statement with her attorney and it was given to the police and the media, it seems. But um, we'll go over some of the interesting points from the statement. Um, so she said, I'm now wanting to clear up the record because I've become extremely stressed and overwhelmed by the deaths of my loved ones. I'm hoping this statement might help in some way. I believe if people understood the background more, they might not be so quick to rush to judgment. I'm now devastated to think that these mushrooms may have contributed to the illness of To the illness suffered by my loved ones, I really want to repeat that I had absolutely no reason to hurt these people whom I loved. Erin also mentioned in the statement that she gave that advice that she had received immediately after the deaths was to give a no-comment interview to police, which she said she now regretted, which doesn't make sense because, like, she was out talking to reporters. Like, she should have just... If you're going to do no-comment, like, you say nothing to anyone at all. And I'm assuming she may be... Like, I don't know, I wonder who told her to give the no comment considering this statement has come from her and her legal team. Maybe she got a new legal team. I don't know, but yeah. She went on to say in the statement, I now very much regret not answering some questions, following this advice given the nightmare that this process has become. She said that she found the police interview terrifying and anxiety-provoking. She said that on the day of the lunch, she prepared a meal of beef wellington for her and her four elderly guests. And contrary to initial reports from police who said Aaron's children were present but did not eat the meal, Aaron said the children had actually gone to the movies prior to lunch. So I guess she's saying they weren't even there. It's so weird because what she's saying is actually a direct contradiction to what the police have publicly said. Like they have said the children were there, you know, like it's just weird why would the police lie? I don't know. I don't know. I feel like she is changing the story a lot. Yeah. 
whether it's on purpose or she's just nervous and not remembering correctly because I know to give her benefit of the doubt like when you're under pressure like this and trying to recall information sometimes it does get hard but like I still kind of side eye her so so Erin told police she served the meal and allowed the guests to choose their own plates she then took the last plate and ate a serving of the beef wellington that she had made herself which I feel like that's like a weird detail to I feel like she's putting that in there because to show say like you know they could have chosen anyone and they you know it's just yeah it's just a, yeah. An, a detail that makes it seem more unbelievable yeah where I'm like uh why did you you wouldn't think to say that really yeah. but I guess now in her situation where she knows she is being kind of like suspected regardless she'd be like want to include that in yeah. but if the, she said that in her first like initial police interview or something I'd be like um that's kind of like weird to include so she also said the mushrooms were a mixture of button mushrooms purchased at a major supermarket chain and dried mushrooms that she bought at an Asian grocery store in Melbourne months previously. Um, she did say that the, her children, the Patterson children, ate the leftovers from, from lunch the following night, but since they don't like mushrooms, they scraped them off the meal, which we did talk about how it's pretty normal for kids to not like mushrooms, I feel like. <laughs> yeah. But then, I don't know, you would think if you, like, was... It cooked with the mushrooms on top. Like, would mushroom juice get on them and make you sick? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know how she makes her beef Wellington. Do you, do you know what beef Wellington is? I don't know if it's like a British thing or not. Well, so basically, I, like, I have read it was a beef Wellington pie, but then in other things, it just says the beef Wellington. But basically, what you do is you get your pastry for for a, a proper beef Wellington, and then you oh, kind so of when it's put, like inside, right? The yeah. Beef. So you put a layer of either mushrooms or sometimes people use pate. Then you put the beef on, and then you wrap the pastry around. So it's kind of like a pastry parcel with beef in it. But yeah, essentially the mushrooms would be all over it, um, all over the beef anyway. So I mean, yeah. I, you could scrape it off. Would you get every single bit off? I don't think so. Would be my thinking based also, on it's like beef Wellington that I've eaten before. If but, you're cooking it with the mushrooms on it, like wouldn't it kind of get into yeah. like the pastry or into you would the think so. beef? I don't know, but maybe I don't know. I don't but, know. You know. I don't know. Because I, I have read it um, as a beef Wellington pie. I don't know if that's just how the media did it or if it was maybe she did it and it cooked it in a different way and still called it a beef Wellington. I don't know. But, you know. So it had been previously said that Erin was not sick and did not go to the hospital. But she said that after the lunch, she was hospitalized with bad stomach pains and diarrhea and was put on a saline drip given a liver protective drug. She said she was transported by ambulance to the Leongatha Hospital to the Monash Medical Center in Melbourne on July 31st. So that's two days after. So they had the lunch on the 29th. All the others got sick on the 30th. So, yeah, they're saying she's saying that she went to hospital on the 31st, apparently. After the rest were already sick. But then, if, like, in which I'm getting ahead of you. But anyway, they, I'll just, the, health, the health service has come out and said that on July 30th, which was the day that all the others got sick, that someone did come with suspected food poisoning and was then sent to Monash the following day. It's kind of a bit blurry, the timeline, but essentially she, the police said she didn't get sick. She's saying she did, and the health service is confirming that someone um, did have food poisoning, but they absolutely haven't confirmed that. Well, they're not They're not allowed to mushroom. say because of HIPAA. Um, we don't really have HIPAA here. Oh. Um, like we do. Obviously we have privacy <laughs> laws, but we don't have HIPAA, but we've got privacy laws. But they are confirming, like they, they didn't say her name, but they also didn't confirm that the person had mushroom poisoning either. They just said food poisoning. But also I'm like, if she wanted to prove it at this point, like you're fucking 
medical record or receipt or something mm. and put it out there, prove your innocence. And even if she was, like, I, I just, I'm, I'm, I want to know more because even if she was given a liver protective drug, I feel like by that stage they didn't really 100% know what had happened to the other four. Yeah. So it seems weird, like a weird medical reaction to food poisoning would be to give a liver protective drug. Like, yes, to saline if you can't keep anything in. But, yeah, the liver protective thing is unusual if it's true. I don't know. I mean, she's done herself in quite a hole already where if I was her at this point, I'd be like, here's my medical records. Yeah. Publish them. I was also sick. So I feel like there's a reason why she's not. And I just still find it so unbelievable that three out of the four others died. One needs a liver transplant, but she she ate the same meal and she was only sick enough to need a saline drip. That's it. Yeah. I'd be interested to see because maybe she was like just lying to the hospital yeah, absolutely. That's about her like, symptoms. I shouldn't really, because we don't know, but I, I know. think she made herself sick by having something that, she, like, you know, I know if I eat certain foods, it's probably not going to end well. Yeah. Or, you know, there, there are medications that you can take to make you, you know, I don't know. I'm not going to get into her bodily functions, but there would be ways she could make herself appear unwell and to mimic the symptoms of food poisoning. Yeah. But again, she maybe she was sick. Maybe it was all. Maybe she didn't do this on purpose. Just <laughs> we're just saying like all the options. <laughs> you know, we always gotta be suspicious and think about everything. So as her guests felt critically ill, Aaron said that she was contacted by the Department of Health and asked what might have caused the violent reaction to the meal. She said she preserved what was left of the lunch and gave it to the hospital toxicologist for examination. Would they do that at a hospital? I guess. They have a lab. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's just it like is, I couldn't imagine bringing like food to the hospital and being like, here it is, this piece of beef. Please. I feel like there's a million ways she could have got around this. If she could have known that they were going to look into it, she could have cooked another beef wellington. So this is all I gave them. Like there's, you know, if they've eaten the food, you could very easily pretend that what is left is what was there when it wasn't that. Yeah. She said she told investigators from the department where she bought the mushrooms, although she was unable to identify the specific shop in Melbourne where she bought the dried fungi, which I feel like after every sentence, I'm like, but like, (laughs) I feel like there's no way, even if I bought something a month ago, I would remember where I bought it. And even you remember the area, like like maybe she paid cash. I know cash is more unusual these days, but I feel like there would absolutely be ways to find out where she was apparently on this day that she bought it. But it's interesting to me too that she apparently went to Melbourne and bought them at this Asian grocer of which there are hundreds in Melbourne. But where she lives in Leon Gatha, I'm assuming there isn't many, like maybe one if that. So it's a very convenient story that she travelled to the next biggest city to a shop that she couldn't remember to buy these mushrooms. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even if there's a lot, like you'd remember about where. You could ask me where I got something that I got five years ago and i'm pretty sure i would remember where i bought it yeah maybe that's just me i don't know people, are, <laughs> people please don't come at me and yell at me but that's that's just me so aaron said officials from the department later sent her photographs of packs of mushrooms with handwritten labels similar to those she described to them which i feel like also is weird like why are they, they're gonna send her pictures like why they, they text them yeah. and what were they like oh this them Push mark. <laughs> like, i don't know it also just seems very weird Erin also admitted she lied to investigators when she told them she had dumped the dehydrator at the tip a long time ago at the dump. She said she was at the hospital with her children discussing the food hydrator when her ex-husband 
who is the son of the couple that was deceased, asked, is that what you used to poison them? And so she was so worried that she might lose custody of the children that then she panicked and got rid of the dehydrator at the dump. This is like such a red flag to me. Like, A, why were they discussing the food dehydrator? If she if she'd already bought these mushrooms dried, like would that even be in the back of your head? Wow, they might think that I used my dehydrator. No, like to do what it. Were... they're already dried, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> and then like yeah. it's, I, like that that just screams to me that she absolutely dehydrated those mushrooms in that dehydrator and she didn't really think about that until that point. Yeah, and even it's true that they were just by chance talking about the dehydrator and he said that. Any common sense person would be like, okay, it'll look really suspicious if I go throw this out. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not just going to go and dump it at the tip where everyone can see me do it. Like, anyway. She also addressed her husband's 2022 illness. She told police that she reluctantly agreed to nurse Simon for three weeks after he was discharged from the hospital before telling him that she did not want to reconcile with him. That's like, that's, that's not really telling us about the illness. No, but I feel like she's included that because all the media kind of made out that she didn't want to get back together. She wanted to get back together. So by her saying she reluctantly did it, that kind of indicates that she didn't really want to be with him, according to her. Aaron told police that Simon had intended joining the fatal lunch, but told her prior to the day that he would not be intending. So I still don't really know how far in I'm assuming that means it wasn't like an hour before. It was at least the day before. Yeah. So she still apparently went ahead with this lunch, um, even though she knew he wasn't going to attend. She paid tribute to her parents-in-law, saying she had been close to them for a long time and had maintained a positive relationship even after the marriage broke down. She said, I'd been close with Simon's parents for a long period of time. Our relationship had continued in a fairly amicable way after I finished the relationship with their son, Simon. She said, our relationship was affected to some degree by seeing them less after my marriage breakdown with Simon. However, I have never felt differently towards his parents. I had a deep love and respect for Simon's parents and had encouraged my children to spend time with their grandparents as I believe they were exceptional role models. So after Erin made the statement about purchasing the dried mushrooms, the media spoke to Asian grocery store owners in the area and all of them denied that she could have purchased the mushrooms from any of them. One shopkeeper said none of their mushrooms were labelled in the way Erin had said, said in her statement to police. The shopkeeper said she'd written that they were a hand, handwritten white label and we have never sold that. The media also spoke to a shopkeeper from a store called East Mart. The person said they didn't even sell dried mushrooms. They only used fresh or frozen. And also, before you get to the next part, but what are the chances that it was just this one pack of mushrooms? That, that no one else has one. gotten sick from. Yeah. And if you think about the death rate of these mushrooms, let's just say if only four people did eat them and three of the four died and one is very, very, very sick, you think that it would have just as much of a, a fatality rate if someone else ate them. Yeah, like there's no way just that this one random package only had it yeah. in them because they're probably being mass produced in some sort of way, like in batches. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of it for her statement. There has been a tradesman who came out and said that he worked on one of Erin's former properties. He said that within the house, there was a wall and it had disturbing images drawn on it. There are photos of these images. Basically, they look kind of like cartoon scribbles. One says, you don't have long to live one hour exactly. Another one says, you're dead from my sword. There are two stick figures of a male and female with the words, I am dead. No, I am really dead. Above what appear to be three tombstones. One of the tombstones appears to read, Grandma Rip, while the other, one's, the other one says, Me Rip. 
I am dead. No, I am really dead. That's just one example of the macabre scribble on the kitchen wall of Erin Patterson's former Corumburra home. I was a little bit scared, mortified. Who, what parent would let a kid draw on this wall? The 48-year-old who police say is a suspect in the poison mushroom case lived in the Shalcott Road home with her now estranged husband, Simon, and their two kids. This local tradie was asked to paint over the disturbing images last year when the property went up for sale. Now, tombstones down the bottom sort of done it for me. Yeah, like, rest in peace, Grandma, and rest in peace, me, and all that. The painter says detectives have asked him for the images. It's yet another bizarre twist in this case. So I feel like a lot of those were done by the children. Like, on the wall, too, you can see there's a height chart from the family where they've marked how tall the kids are at certain points in time. Someone pointed out that the kids must have been very tall because look how high up that is. They must have had a chair or something. (laughs) Well, when this did come out, like, because I didn't know how old the kids were, but the media has said that they are in year five and grade five and grade seven at school. So they would be around 11-ish, 10 or 11 and 13. So when they wrote this, you think? No, no, now, now. So back then they would have even been younger. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely like kids and I don't know, I mean, kids. I have seen, like someone commented in one of our groups and I, it was a point that I've never really thought about and they're like, maybe someone did pass, because Erin's parents did pass away, which we'll get into in a minute. So maybe that rip grandma thing is about that and this is kind of a way for them to express their feelings. I do get mm-hmm. it. It's just weird. Like a lot of it is red, like blood red. Um, it's like I've never seen anything like it at any of anyone I know's house who has children. Um, it is weird. It's it's very graphic. It's very yeah. Like know, their heads could be are creative off in some things. Yeah, it's un it's, it's it's unusual, and especially considering the circumstances of what have happened now. Yeah, it's like there's tombstones where I'm like, as a kid, I definitely drew like a tombstone with some grass because it was like an easy thing to draw. But yeah. then it's like there's beheaded people, and then my favorite is uh, dolphins on Saturday. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I'll put the pictures on the blog if you want to have a look at all these drawings. Yeah. Um, so the media have also been digging into Erin's finances and kind of personal life, I am guess, trying to find a motivation for the killings, which you would think finances may have been a big motivation. Erin's mother was Dr. Heather Scutter, and she was a children's literature professor, and her father was Eaton Scutter. Heather died in 2019, and she left a large inheritance to Erin and Erin's sister. Erin has bought and sold some properties since the death of her parents and her property portfolio is now worth over $2 million. I have read that she bought the block of land where the mushroom lunch house was and built the house on there for like, she bought the land for around, I think around 300,000. They bought the house for however much and now it's worth over a million dollars. So like, I think the insinuation with that is that money is not really an, an object and wouldn't be the reasoning for this but you never know we don't know what else is going on it's also interesting because i feel like in the interviews i've seen of her she seems like an idiot maybe she's stressed but the whole time she was talking to reporters i don't know she just seemed it's very weird but clearly she's not dumb no she has money she's bought and sold properties had a house built like she's not an idiot yeah (laughs) Yeah. Again, like we spoke about in the Patreon episode quickly, like maybe she just really thought that she would get away with it if she is responsible for this. Yeah, I don't I don't know. 
Um, so around August 16th, Erin spoke to the Australian newspaper to talk about how the case has affected her. She said, I lost my parents-in-law, my children lost their grandparents, and I've been painted as an evil witch, and the media is making it impossible for me to live in this town. I can't have friends over. The media is at the house where my children are at. The media are at my sister's house, so I can't go there. This is unfair. And there's actually been an article come out today where, which I don't, you know, I don't blame Erin for doing this. She hasn't really been, she hasn't been charged with anything, but she's placed a legal notice at the, at the gate of her house. It says, please be advised that the owner of this property hereby gives notice to all members of the media or any person employed or contracted to any media organization that you are not permitted to enter any part of this property as marked by the boundary fence. If you do so enter, then you'll commit in the offense of trespass and will be reported to the police. Yeah, I mean, I get that because in that interview, the poor were just like in her driveway and at her yeah. door, which is shitty regardless. Like, of course, I want to see the juicy interview because I do think this whole thing's a little suspicious. But if, if you're like a truly innocent person and you're getting harassed by the press like that, that's awful. Yeah. So that was um, on the 16th. She made that statement to the Australian. It's now the tw- Monday, the 21st in the morning here. Um, they haven't. It's kind of quietened down again. It did quieten down until she gave her statement. Then it kind of heated back up. It's now quietened down. Um, even when there's one article titled, The Sound of Silence Tortures Mushroom Meal Mum. <laughs> that was two days ago. Um, I feel like they are still investigating. I think it'll probably be kind of hard to prove unless... She's got those Google searches or something that are yeah. going to come out maybe one day. Because how can they prove where she got these or if she grew them? Or but then again, like where did she get them? Can you get how can you grow these? They grow so wild, apparently, right? um, like when I was googling about the mushrooms, apparently they're very common in a lot of parts of the world. Like in Canberra, they're common. And as someone who lives in that area, actually sent us a message and said everyone knows about these mushrooms down there. They've got signs that when you're out for a bushwalk, it's like do not pick, do not eat. Um, so they do grow wild, but someone also said apparently it's not mushroom season for these type of mushrooms down there. So if she did it, she would have to have dry done them. months ago and dried them months ago. So maybe that's why she was worried about the dehydrates. Maybe she did pick them, save them, held on to them. Hmm. Just was waiting. Like I, 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 if if she did do it, I feel like there has to be a reason why she did it now. Either if it does turn out to be financial or maybe it's to do with the relationship with the husband, I don't know. But I feel like there has to be a reason why she decided to do it now if she did it. I wonder if they could prove that, like, she dehydrated the the mushrooms from the dehydrator, if they swab it or, like, trace evidence of them or if she cleaned it really well or something. Because um, then she said she bought them dried, so she, why would she need to dry them if that was true? Yeah. But otherwise, I feel like it will be kind of hard for them to prove yeah, I, yeah. I know I have a lot of thoughts, but it's hard to say because obviously she hasn't been convicted or charged with anything yet. I just feel like if she really, and like even if she wanted to have a vendetta against the parents-in-law, why did she do these other two older people too? A lot of questions. Yeah, I mean, if this is really just a freak accident, that's super scary and insane. But I feel like if it was a freak accident, she actually could have come out and said it by now. She could have said, you know, and I have read articles that t- say too she was a very experienced mushroom forager, like she knew what to look for. Oh. Um, again, whether or not that's true, we don't know. But if it was an accident, she could have come out and said, yep, I did pick these mushrooms, I didn't realise, and then I don't know what would happen, like maybe a lesser sentence, but I feel like the time has passed for her to admit it was an accident. Yeah, I just think the whole way she's 
gone about it, which I understand even if whether you're innocent or guilty, either way, it's probably a very stressful situation. Not everyone always like reacts appropriately when you're under such stress and like the media frenzy going on. But just the whole, all the statements and the way information's come out from her and the way it's all been handled has been super strange. Yeah. But I would never want to be in her shoes either. So I know. I just think, gosh, imagine if she is innocent. <laughs> yeah. Just hasn't handled it well. And that's why all this has happened. Yeah. That. Didn't it just scary, like, where how these mushrooms sneak into wherever the frig they snuck into? Even, like, when I was Googling about the mushrooms, it says one person in America dies every year. So the American population, 250-ish million people. The Australian population, 25 million. For one out of 250 million to accidentally eat them every year, I just feel like the odds are that you're not generally going to go out there and pick them and serve them to four people accidentally. Yeah, I do feel like it's suspicious. For sure, but definitely reluctant to say too much more than that. No doubt that after we've recorded this, she'll be arrested or exonerated. <laughs> if she's exonerated, we have to throw the whole episode out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like her- we like we haven't said we've just said that the likely scenarios and how it appears. But as as absolutely, she has not been charged. We're not insinuating that she did it. Just how it may appear. No, even if she's totally in- innocent, I still stand by everything that I said that the whole thing is weird. Yeah. Oh, um, but if anything does happen by the time I edit this and put it out in a few days, I'll throw in a clip here. But I don't know. It seems very slow rolling with this one. So we shall see. Um, thank you guys for listening. You can check out everything on the blog at truecrimesocietyblog.com. If you want to listen to ad-free episodes, check out our Patreon, all the episodes coming out are ad-free and we do mini episodes pretty much weekly about more current cases or smaller ones that don't have enough info for a big episode yet and we're just more casual there and chat about other stuff if you like us you'll like the patreon follow us on instagram true crime society our personal accounts are stephsum underscore and tcs olivia follow us on all those leave us a review make sure you're subscribed on whatever podcast platform you're listening on that's it. That's it. You guys know what to do. If you like <laughs> us, just do the things that you should do. <laughs> All right. Talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. Peace out. Don't See eat ya. any mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> <I know. laughs>